Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. How many of y'all were ready for 2022 to roll in? How many of y'all were ready for the new year to roll in, all right? It's a new year, and so we, we kind of have two different camps. As we think about a new year, right, there's two different types of people in the room here this morning. There's those of you that are the planners. Where are my planners at? Where are my planners at? I mean, y- y'all are strategic in everything you do. Can I get an amen? All right, so you, you, you've, you've done a SWOT analysis of 2021, all right, you've, you've re-looked at your own Enneagram numbers. You have mapped out, right, your, your verse of the year, your word of the year. You've got your personal goals, your financial goals. You've got your uh, professional goals. I mean, I mean, you've got it all mapped out, right? I mean, I've got a Michael Hyatt full focus planner. It gives me, I write out my key objectives. I write out my, my key goals, my action steps to get there. So how many of y'all are in that camp, right? That is you, that is you, right? For the rest of you, if you're like my wife, I just gave you a giant headache, right? Where am I? Like, we don't need to map it out before we go. We just make it up as we go, right? Where are those people at? All right? You're like, who needs to be strategic? We're just going to be spontaneous, and we're just going to work our way through the year however it goes. But regardless of which camp we fall on, what if this morning there, there was something that we all needed to do? What if this morning there, there was one thing, whether you're a strategic planner or whether you're the spontaneous goer, what if there was one thing that God would, would tug at our hearts and say, hey, this year in 2022, maybe rather than, than planning our way into it, what if, what if you and I, what if we prayed our way into 2022? Well, what if rather than all of these things that we're trying to map out, we just said, listen, I'm going to do all of that, but on top of it, What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask God to do what only he can do. And I'm going to pray my way in with a prayer that says, Lord, I just want to see you better. I just want to know you more. I I just want the tug of my heart to to be tugged toward you. And there's lots of other things in this world, and they're not necessarily bad. But this year in 2022, above all the years, to be, to be pulled into, to be wooed into the greatness, to have our eyes opened to see Christ for who he is. That there would be a turning on of a light in, in the recesses of our heart to, to see Christ unveiled in his fullness. That we would go a little bit more deeper in 2022 than we did in 2021 and before. So if you got your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 1 because Paul, Paul pens a prayer such as this. And so for those of you who are Star Wars fans, you might think of this as your, not just your sword, but your, your lightsaber, all right? So get out your lightsaber, get out your sword, and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And Paul, is, he's visited the church in Ephesus before. Matter of fact, he's gone on three missionary journeys. And on his first journey, he, he gets there and he, he sets up uh, a church in the city. He doesn't turn back in his second missionary journey, but on his third missionary journey, he'll come back to the church of Ephesus. And he'll stay there for two years. We're going to pick up this, this letter that was written, would have been written 10 years later. Paul's now a prisoner in Rome. He's writing these prison epistles to these churches in, in, the, in Ephesus and in, in Colossians. And 
Church of Philippi. And he, and, he, and he asks for something very strategic, which is very unique. Because he, he opens up and he, he wants the whole church to say, I want you to know the riches that you have in Christ. And I want you to know this mystery that was, that was veiled and that, that it was at one point that God was working through the nation of Israel in a singular manner. But now the mystery that is revealed is that the Gentiles are grafted in through faith in Jesus Christ. And so he's unpacking the mystery and the riches to the church in Ephesus, to the Ephesians. And then he has this prayer. Let's, let's read this prayer together and then we'll, we'll dissect it here this morning. Look at starting verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 1. Paul would say, For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord and your love towards the who? The saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And here's, here's Paul's prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give you and me a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the work of his great might and power. And he'll go on to describe that power, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above every rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is the body the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul's prayer is that this church would have a deeper understanding of the knowledge of who Jesus is. So so think of it this way. How many of y'all gave somebody a Christmas present this this past Christmas? You gave somebody a Christmas present, right? And so you would watch as as they would, 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 if you have kids, they would run into the room, right? And their eyes are wide and they're, they're just, oh. I mean, there's a gasp. They're looking at all the presents under the tree. And they're trying to figure out, like, like you know, what, what's in the present? Like, which present's mine? And, and so they, in the Wallace household, we're not like a free-for-all. How many of y'all are free-for-alls on Christmas? Just everybody just goes ham. There's a free-for-all for Christmas, right? That's not really what we do. All right, we just kind of, we singularly line out a present one by one. And so uh, we'll let the youngest go first. And, and the whole point is we give them the present, and then what's my youngest going to do? And open the present. Right? I, I, I've never met a kid that was given a present at Christmas and thanks, mommy and daddy. That's, thank you. That's good. No, right? The kids that are over there and they're like, they're ripping the wrapping paper out. And then what they have to do in order to see what is inside is they have to get to the point to where they can take off the lid. And then at that moment, they can peer inside to see, well, what is it that is wrapped behind all the beauty? The beauty isn't in the outer box. The beauty is in what lays inside. Paul's prayer here for this church in Ephesus is that very thing, that there would be an unveiling. Literally, this word to be revealed is to take the lid off. What if you and I took the lid off this year to see Jesus who he truly is? What, what if there was, there was a, a, a moment in our lives, and, and really this has been my, my battle. Just to be honest with you, this has been my journey. And for two months I've just been wrestling, Lord, how, how do I know you more? 
Like, is it, is it possible to know you more? How do I have better quality time with you in the new year? How, how do I get to experience you more intimately? And, and I've wrestled with it. A man that's gone to Bible college, a man that's been in ministry for 14 years, and that's been my wrestle. Man, is there really a way to know you more? Like, how do I have better intimate time in my devotion life? And then I began to think about that. Like, not that, not that God's word is, is not enough because it, it is, but if I can only have intimate, great time with Christ when I'm opening these pages, then that means my walk with Christ is limited to whatever time I can have in my devotion life. If, if, if the intimacy of me seeing Jesus only happens when I'm worshiping corporately, then it's limited to one or two times a week for 30 minutes to an hour. If it's only when I'm in, I'm in um, uninterrupted prayer, which doesn't happen much when you've got four kids at your house, then, then how, how much can I see him? And, and then Paul would pray this. As he thinks about this church, this church that has, notice what he says this church has. Because I've heard of your faith in the Lord and your love towards the saints. That would, to me, be what Jesus said when asked, hey, what are the, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then do what? Love your neighbor as yourself. It's literally the picture of the cross. What God came down to do for us, we then in turn worship him vertically and then extend that love out horizontally to others. And so you would think for Paul to this church in, in Ephesus, the, the Ephesians, that they're doing all that God wants them to do. But Paul comes in and says, listen, hey, you're doing that great, but there's something else that's there. And then he prays this, that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. Don't you love how Paul's writings are always seasoned and dripped in deep theology of who God is? See, see we read scripture way too fast. For Paul, he's thinking God, this, the theos, the supreme being, unmatched, unparalleled, in a category all by himself, who's also the Lord, he's the kuros, he's the, he's the owner, he's the master, to which that means that my life submits under the leadership and the ownership of who Jesus is. Which is unique because as mankind, as we, as we scoop down the, the dust and the sand of the ground, our hands can't hold it. But yet God Almighty scooped down and out of the dust and out of the dirt he formed mankind and he breathed life into you and to me. So the reason why we live in submission and obedience to God as the God, the Theos, the supreme being, and the, the Kuros, the, the Lord, that then gives us direction for which your life and my life is caused to operate. I begin to see God for who he is as, as Jesus, as Yeshua, the Savior, the one that rescued me when I was running in rebellion against him. God scooped out and said, listen, I'm going to send my son Jesus to be their Savior. And yet, while they were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's the Christ. Not his last name, just his title. He's the anointed one. The father of glory. Paul wants us to, to understand it. It says, the battle for us in our Christian life is often to think that Jesus and God is all just about salvation. That, that's part of it. That Jesus indeed saved us. But if we understand that he's, he's the God and he's the Lord, then, then what that means is, is that he's also my master and I have to follow in submission to who he is. 
It's not just about him saving me out of a bad place called hell. It's not monopoly, you pass, go, you collect 200 bucks. It's salvation, but I also have to understand his lordship, that my life falls under his leading. And then it's not just lordship in a dictatorship way, but it's he's my father. He's my friend. Every single time Paul writes of God, he, he, it's dripped in seasons with the depth of who he is. I want eyes to see God that way because I don't see him that way all the time. I want to be able to see him for the, for the truth of who he is. I want this unveiling, right, that he would give us this spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. We already have that. We're sealed with salvation. He talked about that in the first 14 verses. So this isn't theologically, i got to give you the Holy Spirit, but let me give you a heartbeat. What would it look like if you and I, if we had a heartbeat that ticked after the cadence of seeing Jesus? What if the music to our dance was that we would see Christ at a deeper level for who he is? What if what filtered our lives was a funnel through the matchless glory of who he was? What if we sifted and filtered everything through this funnel that, that our eyes would behold, that there would be an unveiling and there would be a revelation, an opening of a lid to see Jesus more? Man, does anybody's heart in here long for that? To say, Jesus, I, I've fallen short of walking in a life that would bring you maximum glory. And so, Father, would you grant me, would you bestow me this gift? It's interesting because it's the very gift that the enemy wants to do to, to push us away, right? The enemy doesn't want us to have any, any revelation of who God is, so the enemy is always trying to close the lid on our eyes of seeing Jesus. So think of it this way. How many of y'all took some family pictures over the holiday season? Family pictures, right? How many of y'all are glad those family pictures are gone and done with for another year, amen? And so you're taking family photos and the iPhone out there, it's... I mean, it's good enough now. You don't need a professional camera, so you can use an iPhone. And there's a setting on the iPhone uh, that will magnify the subjects or the objects that are within close proximity. That's called what? Portrait mode. And so not only does it highlight that which is close, what does it do to that which is on the outer sides? Blurs them away. You know, I was thinking about that as I was flipping through some family photos that we took when we were in Destin. And I wonder if that's the very thing that the enemy wants to get us in. I wonder if the enemy wants us to live in portrait mode. So fixated on the few things that are in front of us that it blurs and blinds out everything that's in the background, the greater context to the story to which you and I live. Because if the enemy can get us in portrait mode, we miss the God who is in the background holding and sustaining all things in his hands. And so Paul's prayer is this, Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would they give you? Maybe you need to read this text and say, Lord, would you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you? And then he goes on to say, having the eyes of my heart enlightened, literally to, to beam light upon, kind of how this room set in darkness, but there's, but there's light shining right here. And Paul says, I need there to be some light to illuminate their eyes of the depth of who I am. And so I began a journey, and I, I remember one morning on November 2nd, I grabbed a cup of coffee, and I got up early, and I, and I went outside, and I just prayed, Lord, Lord, help me see you. 
And let's be honest, I felt really weird. Like, what, 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 what does that mean? How do I see you at 5.15 in the morning with a cup of coffee? And I just stood on my back porch, and I just, I just, I just looked. And I waited. I'm like, well, this is weird, awkward. Lord, you're going to, any time now, talk to me. And through my backyard and my neighbor's backyard and around the front of their house, I saw a, a light pole. And it was as if God was saying, you know what, Josh, I'm, I'm all around you if you'll just look. Because Scripture says that Jesus is the light of the world. We see in Psalms 19 that the heavens declare the glories of God. The skies proclaim his handiwork. Day by day they pour forth speech and night by night they reveal who he is. Romans chapter 1 says, listen, that, that we are without excuse. This general revelation given to the world about who God is. And so we've got nature and, and the created things that are, that are boasting of who our God is. And then we have all the things that man did just mimics the great creator. And so we are a human being. We don't create ex nihilio out of nothing. We need something. And so we just mimic God. And so everything on this planet has the opportunity to be a reflection and a mirror, a window, a door and a gate into the depths of who God is. And God was like, Josh, I'm all around you. You can't survive without light. It's like, no, notice the houses around you. As everybody wakes up, what do they do? They turn on the light. So you need light every single day. Hey, notice what's going to happen in about an hour every single day on this earth. I'm going to allow the sun to do what? To rise. Oh, by the way, it's interesting. It's just one letter different from the ultimate sun who would rise to bring redemption to the world. And so I'm just going to allow that to be a daily reminder that my sun did rise to bring light to the world. And you need light. And I am the light. So follow me. I walk to my car and I get in my car. Guess what turned on in my car? light because I need light to drive to work. And so as I started the car, I turned on the light. And it's like God was like saying, Josh, there's light all around. And I'm, and I'm driving and I have to stop at the stop light because there's light there. And I look to my left and there's, there's Kroger and it has a sign that's lit up with light. And there's Christmas lights to the right at Kane's uh, Chicken Place. And everywhere I go, I just, I'm seeing light. And, and it was as if for that day, God just said, Josh, if you'll just, if you'll just have eyes that are open to the revealing of who I am. I'm all around you if you'll see me. And so Paul prays the same prayer for the church in three specific things. I want, I want to see these, these three things. The, the three things that the enemy's greatest desire to, to hiss away and to, to blur out. But Paul says, listen, maybe that would be this, that you would know Know what? Having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. The hope to which he's called you. Turn to your neighbor and say hope. Now, how many of y'all were looking for a little bit of hope in 2021? Anybody? I mean, we are, we are creatures. We are literally day by day, we are clawing and gnawing and seeking and grasping for something or someone to hope in. And there's a lot of things that this world says we can turn to for hope. But yet they all let us down. No matter what political party you're in, can we go there for a second? Whether you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, right? Whether, you're, whether you're, your, your house and the housing market is going up or not going up. I mean, what is it to which we're going to hope in daily? What is it to which is going to sustain us on a daily basis? There's lots of things that we can turn to wishfully hoping that they'll be the answer. For those of you that know me, I'm a diehard Notre Dame fan. 
I was hopeful that Notre Dame would win against Oklahoma State yesterday. And again, I was let down by my beloved Notre Dame fighting Irish. I can wishfully hope. Paul's not talking about a wishful hope. He's talking about an expected hope. He's talking about a sure hope. He's talking about a fixed hope. He's talking about an unwavering hope. What is the unwavering of our hope? The hope is, is that our God, the God, Jesus, the creator, sustainer, and maker of this world who went away, our hope is that he's what? He's returning. And when he returns, we get to go home with him. That's the hope. The hope that we're just passing through in this life. The hope that all of this is just fading away. Because let's be honest, 2021 was filled and full of things that we needed something substantial to hope in. If we were to take a poll of people in this room that lost a loved one, it would be really high in 2021. Cancer ails our bodies. And wars continue to come. Children walk away from the family. Jobs are lost. And we don't need to pretend in church as if like everything is good. It's it's not. We live in a broken, fallen, sin-stained world. And there's a hope. And Paul says, listen, for you and I to to wake up every single day and to have our eyes opened, literally, that they would peel back the layers and that as we put our foot on the ground, the thing that would wake us up in the morning is that there is a hope of something of our calling in Christ Jesus. There's a hope that gets us through, because what else gets us through? What else can we cling to other than Jesus that would fully and finally satisfy? And the answer is nothing. In a world that is such need of hope that without hope, it's, it's trapped in turmoil. See, without hope, we're, we're frozen in fear. We're, we're paralyzed by pain. We're covered in our circumstances. Inability to move forward in the life that God has designed for us. The life that the maker who formed and fashioned us has a specific purpose for your life and for my life. But without hope, we just we fall back in fear, paralyzed by what's around us. And Paul says, listen, there's a greater hope. There's an expectant hope, a hope of Jesus, and our returning to the garden state. Our returning to living and walking and breathing with Jesus unveiled. I mean, that was the cry of Moses, wasn't it? There he was on the mountain in Exodus chapter 33. Lord, show me your what? Show me your glory. God, I want to see you. I mean, that was the heart cry of David, the psalmist, that just cried out that his soul would would earnestly seek him. That that was the call that, that James would say to, hey, return unto the Lord. I wonder if if this was what Paul thought about his own conversion. Let's roll back the story on Paul. See, originally, Paul's name was what? Saul. See, he wasn't a builder-up of the church. He was a destroyer of the church. Matter of fact, he killed Christians. He would have been a terrorist in our day and age. That was who he was. And then Paul, on the road to chase down some Christians, God intersects him. Aren't you grateful for the intersections of God in our lives when we least deserve it? Because we never do. When we're least looking for it, God intersects. Don't reject the intersecting of God in your heart this morning. When he comes tugging on your heart, man, don't, don't push back. And so for, Paul, for Saul, what did God do to him? He blinded him. So for three days, there was no sight. And then three days later, God would come back and he would, he would open his eyes and cause him to have 
sight again. I wonder if Paul, as he's writing in prison, the church of Ephesus thought about having the hope to which you have called. My eyes enlightened that he would literally think back to what was before this veiled view. He couldn't see inside the box of what all these Christians were talking about. But all of a sudden, when God opened his eyes and revealed who he was, he had new sight. And he began to see Christ in the fullness and the matchlessness of who he was. And that was Paul's prayer, that they would hope in that. And that's what gives you and I courage to walk forward in 2022. A year that, you know what, is going to have more death. Cancer's not going away. The coronavirus will have multiple strands and we'll need another alphabet to come up with more names for it. The housing market may go up and then eventually it's going to crash. Your investments that were a lot are eventually going to go down. There's going to be more natural disasters. There's going to be more wars. We can't stop that. It's part of this world because this isn't our home, because there's a hope of a place to go to, because there's a better calling to live in. And so we eat and sleep and breathe, not of the things in portrait mode that are right in front of us, but the things that are behind this. And God graced us with this for a little bit until we can return in glory. And that's what we hope in. And I love how God always calls uh, the enemy, he calls him the prince. I'm going to let the enemy be the prince of this world for a little bit, cause havoc for a little bit. Because every prince knows they serve under the submission of what? Of the king. And Jesus is like, I'm king. And so the enemy can have his, his reign temporarily for a little bit, but don't worry, I reign supreme. I'm king and Lord over all. And what if we saw this hope on a daily basis? What if you saw it when you were driving into Chick-fil-A for lunch? Hey, I hope that the line is short today. And you're thinking about that short line, you think, you know what, there's, there's, there's a greater hope to hope in. Like, what if we just, what if we begin to see Jesus everywhere? Like, hey, babe, I hope you have a good day and good luck with the four kids out the door. And what if I thought as I, as I said that, I got my truck and prayed for my wife, that, man, there's a greater hope and a calling, and I want my kids to know Jesus who's tugging on their hearts, the redeemer and the savior of the world. Hey, I hope I'm going over to their house, man. I hope this food's okay. And I take that first bite and I'm like, man, this is disgusting. <laughs> Thank goodness I have a greater hope. What if we just allowed a heart to be stirred to a greater hope? I just, I'm convinced that God is revealing things on a day-by-day basis and we're missing it because he's saying, listen, I'm pulling the lid off. I want you to see me in everything, not just, not just this hope. But look, at, I want you to see not just the hope to which you were called, but, man, I want you to see the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, now, he's already unpacked in the first 14 verses the riches that we as Christians have in Christ. He unpacks them, the, the adoption, the redemption, that we've been bought back with a price, that we've been given the sealing of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he goes in detail in these first 14 verses about the Christian's riches in Christ. But he turns the, 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 the lazy Susan. How many of y'all have a lazy Susan at your house? Y'all know what a lazy Susan is? That little tray, it's the best tray in the world. It's got a wheel on the bottom, and you can just turn it, and it just turns around, right? And if I, it's, a, it's facing Jacob, but I want it. I just flip the thing, and I just spin it, and it spins towards me. I think Paul would spin the lazy Susan of what we typically think of our riches in Christ. And notice what he says. He says, having the eyes of their hearts enlightened, beamed with light, that they would know what is the hope to which they were called and what are the riches of, check this, his glorious inheritance, what? 
and the saints. So what Paul's not talking about here are the Christians' riches in Christ. He's actually talking about Christ's riches in the Christian. I mean, that is scandalous to the core, that the creator would find any riches in the created is scandalous to its core. It's almost unbelievable. How in the world can there be any riches that which God would see in me, a sin-stained sinner that was saved by God's grace? What goodness is there in me? But he says, listen, he says, the riches of his glorious inheritance. See, in order to inherit something, typically there's a, there's a passing on. There's a death that precedes the blessing. And in the stillness of my time with the Lord, it was as if the Lord said, yep, that's it, Josh. There's a greater death that precede the greatest blessing that mankind could ever experience. And so Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross ushered in the way for you and I to be Christ's inheritance. Like literally Christ would, would bring us back under the Father as if like a little kid is like, Daddy, Daddy, we did it. When I said on the cross, it is finished, it was full and complete. And now any who will call upon my name, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Hey, Father, I've opened the door. They can come. And so the inheritance would be all of those saints that would believe in the work that Christ did on the cross, that they then now have access unto the Father. It's a, it's a revelation deeper than the outer package. Not just what I have in Christ, but what Christ has in us. And so what that does for you and what that does for me is it gives us identity. It gives us purpose. It gives us worth and value. The very things that all of us are trying to accomplish here on this earth. I know that because... Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I bet there's a majority of people who uh, either have a gym membership or have recently signed up for a gym membership to start the new year, right? Because we want our bodies to look a certain way, right? I mean, th there's probably a hobby that you have on your list that you, you seek to excel at because you want to be good at something, right? I'm married into the Bramos family. They all are good at everything, and so I'm always trying to keep up, right? I've tried playing golf for 37 years of my life, and I'm still trying to keep up to my father-in-law, who's twice my age. I'm like, how can he beat me all the time? Right? We're, all, we're always trying to work our way. It's in the business field, trying to work our way up the ladder. We're always trying to add worth and value in what, what Paul says. What if our eyes on a day-to-day -day basis, what if we prayed this prayer every day for a year, 365 days this year, that our eyes would be enlightened and open to the revelation of these things, and that, I, and that I put my foot on the ground today saying, listen, I don't have to find worth and value in how well I preach to a group of people. For one, that's not the purpose of it. That someone would tell me I did a good job afterward. That someone would say that my outfit fit the, the South Florida flair compared to the Texas flair. You know, was my hair done good enough for the camera? That's how we naturally think. But what if I put my foot on the ground saying, listen, today I have all the worth, all the value, and all the purpose that I need in Jesus so I don't have to work for it. That would be a works-based salvation. It's not about that. For by grace you're saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's the gift that God has that he wants to take the lid off so that you and I can see on a daily basis. 
So then the things that we begin to strive after all of a sudden will change because we see differently. And what if I saw that? What if every single time that the coins rolled around in my car, it just reminded me of riches? Not just what I have in Christ, but what Christ has in me. What if every time I pulled out my, my, my credit card and, and, I, and I swiped it through the machine and, and I heard the beep, that the transaction's complete? What if that triggered my mind to think of the transaction has already been done by Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection? Today I'm going to live in the newness of him. What if that was our mindset, that we allow all of these things in this world to, to draw me into? That as I'm driving in the car this morning and I watched Ron turn on the windshield wipers in it and it was moving away the dew that was on the windshield, what if that triggered my heart to say, Lord, re remove any of the, the sin and the distractions in my life that I may see you better? What, if, what, what, if, what would that look like in your life and my life for 2022 and beyond to live that way? So then when I go to God's word, it's just as amplified. Then when I sing his praise, it's just magnified. Then I am living in constant communion with my God because Paul said they already had faith towards God. Paul said they already had love towards one another. But he says, listen, I want them to see, I want them to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation with their eyes enlightened to know him more. And he says, as he wraps it up, and to know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power that's available to us. The Paul said, hey, I want, I want the people to see on a daily basis the power that is around them and for them. Because in and of ourselves, we, we can't do it. I don't know about you, but I feel, I feel way I feel at the bottom of the total pole in my ability to live out the Christian life that God's called me to live. Man, my, my flesh is this weak, although my, the Spirit's willing. And Paul says, listen, I didn't, I didn't call you to something that I'm not going to give you the power to do. And so it's not just the power to fight the enemy. Yes, we need that. And yes, I want you to battle well in 2022. But, but what, if, what if we had our eyes opened and we stepped out into the realm to which we asked God for the power to forgive just as he forgave us. I don't know, Josh, I don't know if I could do that. But that's the call of the Christian life. To love your what? Enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Let's just be honest, the, church, the world's looking at the church wondering what in the world are they doing? There's so much division, and we're just going to go there. There's so much division over a vaccine that the world doesn't even know if we have love for one another. Over a vaccine that isn't the ultimate hope. And Paul says, listen, I, 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 y'all need that love. This immeasurable greatness of God's love is available for you and I to do the very thing that this church has set out to do, to live God's what? Way. And everything you do, every day of your life, that would be turned on to this power that we need to, to live out the life, the power that we need to be pure and holy amongst a very impure world, the power that we need to, to give thanks amongst all circumstances when there's a passing of a loved one and when there's a loss in my life and when things around me don't make any sense, but yet God's word says to give thanks. How do I do it? I need his power. I need there to be an unveiling. I need there to be a, a revelation where there's an opening of the lid that I can see into and then I grasp God's power and I say, that's what I'm gonna live in today. 
and tomorrow and the next day and the next day. The power to deny myself daily and take up my cross and follow him. The power to see. And I was walking down the street and I began to say, Lord, just help me. Help me see your power today. And I looked up and there's power lines. I drive by daily. Limited in the supply that they put out, but yet my God's unlimited. I, f- I felt the the power of the breeze come across the ocean on my face and thought, man, that's, that's God's power on display. I watched my brother-in-law do a super spike and hit my sister in the face, and that's, that's power of a spike, right? I mean, we turn on the microwave because we need the power to, to heat something up. And what if, I mean, what if just if we could see this daily? The power that God's given us, this dunamis power, is not just the power of transformation that is there that he describes that raised Christ from the dead. It's there, but it's it's also this exousio power, meaning you and I have been granted access to it. So there's power in the White House that you and I don't have access to because we can't get beyond the fence. But this power that God has that's matchless, he's not giving you access to it. I've given you daily access to it, that you, that you can partake of this and live it out if you would see. It's interesting, I, Alex is sitting in the room next door, and he's the guy that I get my, my glasses from, my contacts from. Matter of fact, Alex, if you're listening, I ran out of my contacts. So if you got a little hookup, I need some more. And we laugh about that, but you know what? For the last, last 30 days, I, I've been living daily with the inability to see clearly. I've got astigmatism, so I can see, but, but things aren't crisp. They're not clear. They cause me to have headaches. Out of laziness to order more contacts, I'm now suffering on how I live daily. And so we watch movies as a family, and I've got to squint. I drive down the road, and I've got to, I've got to look harder to be able to see. Something that could very easily be changed if I would just put on the right lens, but I chose not to. Paul's prayer is that we would put on the right lens. Paul's prayer, this prayer that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of our heart enlightened, that we would, that we would have this box opened and it's available if we would just so choose. So I wonder today if, if you and I would be willing to say, God, I, I want to live this way this year. Open the box, take off the lid, and may my prayer be the lens to which I see you, the hope to which I've called, the inheritance I have in you, and the surpassing power available to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, that's our our prayer and our plea here in, in 2022 and beyond, to see you and to know you, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for my heart and for every heart in this room that's listening here today. Father, grant us that. Bestow us the answering of this request to open up our eyes that we may indeed see and know you for who you are, that that would be the cadence to which we walk every single day. Oh, Father, forgive us for the times we've turned away choosing not to see you, but Father, we're asking, give us these eyes of sight 
Father, grant it to us in greater clarity. And then, Father, let, let us walk in worship of a God who's worthy of it all. Oh, Father, you deserve all honor and glory and power. And so would your name be magnified in all we do. Help us see you better in 2022 and beyond. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.